0: Hello, sawona. How's it? Molo, jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Okay. Let's try that again. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, that's better. How are we today? We well. Okay, it's really good to see you. It's a a beautiful day in Durban, and I'm glad to be in in Durban today, because in some places I think it started to be a little bit cool. So, yeah, welcome, welcome. Uh, Firstly, uh, just in case perhaps you don't know and you're wondering where... Uh, our pastors are Pastor Wayne and Trisha are at Hillside Church in Hillcrest. That's where they're ministering today, so that's where they are. They haven't backslidden or anything like that. They've just um, they've just gone to visit, and it's really exciting because they're actually going there um, to minister on on revival and to just spend time with that church that is so ready to experience God working in their lives, and. Um, if you remember or if you've been following since the beginning of the year, we started the year off on a series on miracles, which was awesome because it, re- it, it, it was like a rebirth of expectation for many of us expecting God to move in mighty ways, to do radical things in our lives and in the lives of other people. So that was really great. And then in the midst of all of that, or while we were with that, I don't remember, then we started hearing, uh, you know, talks about uh, things happening uh, in America, in Australia. So um, we are seeing God moving. We are seeing what we've been praying for for so many years. And also there are many who've been praying for tens and, you know, 10, 20, years praying for revival but we are beginning to see that we're beginning to see just people coming together praying for hours on end and there's calls and calls for prayer everywhere so this is encouraging so that is the time that we are in this is the atmosphere that we we are in at the moment an an atmosphere of expectation an atmosphere of um, expecting to see God move and then of course after that there were a couple of other messages but an amazing one was the one uh, with um uh, with with Graham, I don't remember what his surname is. Oh boy, but put it Smith. Oh my goodness, <laughs> such a common surname, and I forgot it. Anyway, Graham Smith, like it's like forgetting a lamini like, But anyway, uh, Graham Smith was here, and he really preached an amazing sermon. Um, on how we are to love God and worship him, w- worship Him with our whole beings, that um, God calls us to love Him with everything that we are and with every moment of our lives. So after that, of course, Pastor Wayne um, uh, preached on The Matrix last week. I'm joking. He didn't. Well, but anyway, he preached on having a violent spirit, using that as you know, as an example. So that's what he preached on. And today, what I'll be ministering on is uh, the title of my message is Time and Chance. So I will be looking at a at, at time and um, we'll, we'll speak further on that. So before I carry on, I'm going to ask Mrs. Maywa, Are you ready, Mrs. Maywa? Okay, I'm going to ask Mrs. Maywa to come forward and to read this verse. I thought let's keep it, let's keep it local today. So we're going to read it in Gesizulu because I like how it sounds in Isizulu. It's Ecclesiastes chapter nine verse eleven. But in, in Sesotho, it's Umshumayeli nine is ah nine no eleven. Shakalo lunye. Yes, it's Shaka no luni. Chapter nine. Gang, sakubeluti salfu go. Seshum nani? How we gisakumbul? I do still remember, so I'm gonna ask. Gnomkabo to please read it for us. Sanbonani, njani? C R P. C R P. As introduced, ikamangu gnomkabo waga me Almost said kile. Gnomkabo waga me ngizofunda um, <laughs> um Na msanji ngizu sufunda. Kwi nine verse eleven. Ngabu ngabona panti kwelanga, langa. Uguti uguchaha aku ngabane chubani. Noku makawe. Nesinkwa ngabatla gani pileyo. Nengebo ngaba kondileyo. Nomusa ngaba nokwazi. Amen. Amen. All right. And I'll read that. uh, (laughs) I'll read it in English in the New King James Version first. It says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill but time and chance happen to them all. And I would also like to read it in the NLT, New Living Translation, which is, I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race, and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes, the wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives, as we know in South Africa. It is all decided, decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. All right. Can I ask that we pray, please? Father, we thank you, and we give you the praise for your word. We thank you that we are all here and thank you so much that your word is life, your word is light, your word is food to us, and your word is revelation. So we thank you today that as we get into your word, that we will receive all of these and so much more. We pray, God, that you would speak to each one of us, open our ears, and as we incline our ears to hear you, thank you, Father, that we will be transformed by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is a very interesting scripture, and I like it because it was written by the wisest man to have ever lived, or the most wise man to have ever lived, yet in some ways the most stupid man we could ever think of, because you cannot have a thousand women as wives and concubines and still be a normal person up here. But anyway, (laughs) he was... (laughs) God gave him wisdom, but uh, I don't know what he decided to do with it when it came to women. Anyway, he, he writes this very interesting verse, and I like it a lot uh, because it, it reveals something that is so true about life, that sometimes you may have all that it takes to become a success, but not quite become that success. You know how it is when children grow up and people say, oh, this one is so intelligent. He's going to be this. He's going to be a professor. He's going to be this. The next thing you find that person is a drunkard and doesn't really live up to the expectation. Or you may find, like, like we've, we've seen, you may find somebody who is faster than other people, but for some reason in a race, they don't win that race. Perhaps something happens or, you know, it could be various factors that affect the person to not actually reach what they are meant to reach. So the Bible here says that it doesn't happen the way that it should happen, but it says something powerful, which is what I want to focus on today. It says time and chance happen to them all. Now we may, we may be wondering, I know, you know, the word chance in English, it's, it's not a... I, you know it's it 's not a, a nice word because it it, it 's almost like it happens by luck or ish it may it may not happen, but it depends on your luck there's someone who always tells me that i 'm lucky and then I say no i 'm not lucky i 'm actually blessed so uh, because i don 't believe in luck i don't believe in chance but that 's the word that has been used here, and we 're going to talk a little bit about what that actually means in terms of the word, so each one of us lives we 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 live in 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 time it says time and chance happen to us all all right we live in time time is a part of who we are and uh what what we you know what what we are called to live by. So the Bible speaks of the fact that time and chance happen to us all. And when the Bible looks, when the Bible speaks of time, there are two ways we can look at it. You see, now Sobs is not here. If he was here, I would have been reading from Genesis chapter one to look at how at a concept of time that is found in the in the Bible. So let's first look at the word chronos. These are Greek terms, chronos and kairos. They really explain properly, you know, in terms of the Bible, just what time is. So chronos is, is how we measure the, pas- the passage of time. So it, it is like seconds minutes hours days weeks and so on so it's it, it it's what we mean when you're asking a person what time is it you're actually asking them what is the chronos so what is the moment in time at that moment so it is it, it refers also it speaks also to the day-to-day happenings of our lives so when you plan your day you plan it according to time you you don't well let's hope. You plan it according to time. You don't just say, okay, I'm going to do this, that, that, that. You hopefully have an idea of when you're going to do certain things. So that's what Kronos speaks about. And Kronos also uh, speaks about the fact that we, we rise up and we sleep every day and our time here on earth lessens. It decreases. So today I have less time on earth than I had yesterday. So Last year, I was 48. Next year, I'll be 50. So that's what, you know, it's, it's the passage of time like that. And then Kairos, which is the second one. Kairos is the other one which is referenced in, in, in the Bible. And it's the one that has to do with the scripture that we've just spoken about. So uh, it, Kairos is, a, is about the, it, it looks at an appointed time. So it's a season. It's about a season. And in the scripture, in, uh, in Ecclesiastes, it, 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 it has a Hebrew term or a Hebrew uh, translation to it, which is E-T-H. And then when I looked up the, 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 the how you pronounce it, it's actually eight. So it is eight, and it speaks about a season or the right time for, for something. So it's a season. And in the Bible, you'll see two terms. The one is in the fullness of time. The other one is in the appointed time. So that's what this is about. So in the fullness of, of time, you can find this in Galatians chapter four, verse four. It says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his sign. So it's in the appointed time. In the, so it, it speaks about a time that God had set aside for that specific thing. Okay. And then uh, another exa- example, of course, as I said, it's the fullness time or, of time or the appointed time. We see this as well with, with Abraham, where uh, in Genesis eighteen fourteen it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto, unto you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. So God made the promise that Abraham and Sarah would have a child. He knew when that time was going to be. He had appointed it to be at that particular time. So when God made the promise, he knew which time that thing was going to happen. So it wasn't just a promise to say, okay, we'll see when it will happen. Maybe in five years, maybe in eight years. The tricky thing is that God knew, but they didn't know. So So it is the appointed time. So Solomon here is saying that time or if happens to us all, eight eight happens to us all, meaning that the season, it speaks about the seasons that come to us all, the right timing for events. So each one of us have the right timing that comes to us. Okay. Now, I hope you're still with me. Are you following? Make sense so far? Because it's going to get a little bit more complicated. Now, the meaning of what he is talking about is not complete until we finish that phrase. Because it says, time happens to us all. Time and chance. Time and chance happens to us all. So let's look at that happens and look at, 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 at chance. So the Hebrew word for chance is pega. And pega means intercession, intervention. And so it speaks about intervention, Intercession. And what this also looks at is it's also the connotation um, of prayer as well. It's linked to prayer. So it's intervention, intercession. So it talks about when God intercedes or when God intervenes or when people pray and then God comes in. Okay. So that's the word chance, pega. And the last one is happens. Remember, it's Uh, Time and chance happens, all right? So happens is the word, I don't know how they pronounce it, but I'm Zulu, so ukara, Or if if I was to be, uh, if I was to pronounce it as a kosa, it would be uqaha, but it's kara, whatever. So that one speaks about befalling, when something befalls somebody. It's an encounter, but it's not just a random befalling. But it's 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 when someone causes a meeting, when someone causes something to happen. So when this phrase is used, okay, the whole phrase, it denotes God-ordained happenings. In other words, seasons or occurrences that happen because God orchestrated them or occurrences that are orchestrated by God due to prayer, okay? Okay. So it's the right times, seasons or opportunities, and prayed happenings. So it means that then the scripture says, okay, let's go back. So the scripture is actually saying, when we have said all of that stuff, it says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, No favor to men of skill, but I have to quickly get there. But the right times, seasons, or opportunities and prayed happenings are available to all. Okay. So what is significant though is that With these opportunities, I will repeat it, the right times, seasons, or opportunities and prayed happenings are available to all. But what is key is that although this is available to us all, it depends mostly on what we do with our chronos. In other words, on what we do with the days, the weeks, the months, the years that we are alive on earth It's about the daily decisions that we we make. It's about the habits that we we decide to, to cultivate in our lives or the habits that we decide to break. So this, all these happenings, all these powerful things, all these miracles, to a certain extent, depend on what it is that we fill our lives with and what it is that day in and day out we do. So... It's important for us to understand that how we live daily brings us to a place of readiness for those appointed times that God has for us. Okay, sometimes we think about being vigilant in the sense of being vigilant about what the enemy is doing and watching out and making sure that the devil does not, you know, do whatever plan it is that he has for our lives or people around us. But actually, vigilance is also called for us to be expectant to see God doing mighty things in our lives. So we are to be vigilant, to be expectant, to be attentive and wait on the Lord to do the things that he wants to do. And how we do that is by transforming the day-to-day things that we do. Let me give you an example. Um, When I was 10 years old, okay, when I was 10 years old, uh, my parents, they had just received the Lord. So they set up uh, something which we did every day, okay? It was a new habit. Well, we we had had it, but now it was more serious. And every day at 8 o'clock, we would all get together and we would have a time of prayer together as a family. Now, for me, that was difficult because 8 o'clock was the time when, well, it was at 7 actually, and 7 was the time when nice shows came on TV, Yes, you see, yeah, in our day, there was what was called Night Rider, and MacGyver, and things like that, okay, yeah, I know it's fine, I'm turning 50 next year, I don't mind, so, um, so, that was a time that I just, you know, I would just be depressed every time I knew that we were going to pray, But seven o'clock, we would pray. Latest, it would be 10 past seven. We would get on our knees, and then we would pray as a family. So my parents would read a scripture, and then we would kneel. But at that stage, I did not know the Lord. I had not received Jesus as Lord and Savior. I didn't even understand what that was. Nobody had really told me about it. All I knew is that things had changed in my family. So my mother and father were different. Uh, They were not fighting as they used to fight. Things were just different, you know. So I knew that much. So on the 14th of July, 1984, we got together, read the Bible, we all knelt down, and we started praying. This is what we did every single day. So from Feb of 1984 up to July of 1984, that's what we were doing. Even days after that, that's what we did. But note, there were no miraculous happenings before that. There was nothing miraculous that happened even after that when we prayed together. Even now when we pray together, nothing amazing happens. But on that particular day, 8 o'clock, 1984, 14th of July, we knelt and we prayed. And something came on me. Now I know it was a someone. Something came on me. And from that experience, I received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Nobody said anything to me. Nobody told me about salvation. Nothing like that happened. But at that moment, it was like God visited me himself. And he introduced himself to me. And I gave my life to the, G- to, to the Jesus. I gave my life to the Lord. And I never, never became the same. Now that was an appointed moment. Had we decided that day that, okay, actually, we're going to watch MacGyver today, I would have missed that appointed time. And I don't know whether I would have actually received Jesus eventually or when I would have received him. Maybe I would have received him later, but some damage would have happened in between. So what I'm trying to say is this. Our lives are about the day-to-day things that happen. We expect miracles. We expect God to move in our lives. But we need to create an environment that invites him to come in. You know, I'm just thinking if, God's, if, if, if God was to visit us right now in an amazing way, and come on us and, and and do incredible things in our lives, and we 're all filled with the Holy Spirit, and we go out there now, if I was to go out there and meet a professor who I had to now give him what the Bible says that we 've got to have we 've got to uh, uh, to paraphrase the scripture, it says that we need to have an answer to people. We need to be able to explain to them why it is that we are saved and what salvation is about and who Jesus is. If on my day-to-day living with God, I don't give myself the time to cultivate my knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is, where the Bible comes from, why I believe what I believe, why is it different from other people, how am I going to speak to that professor in a way that he understands? I may have the power of the Holy Ghost on me. And I may speak to the person and by God's grace, he may just cause the person to be saved. But how am I to do the things that God has called me to do, to be in those appointed times and actually use them fully if I do not prepare myself for it? Okay, technology here. Yeah, you know, using other people's stuff. This is what happens. They switch off on you and you don't know what to do. Thank you. So, So, now what we're going to do is, with that in mind, I would like us to look at something. Firstly, let's look at Proverbs chapter 8, verse 33 to 34. It says, Heed instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts, daily. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. Of course, here in in Proverbs, it's wisdom speaking, saying, heed my instruction. Listen to me, watch daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. Here it's speaking about someone who spends their time listening and being attentive to hear what God is saying to them. You know, as great as it is to be in church and to hear messages, the greatest work that happens in our lives is in our day-to-day, everyday things. In our quiet time, in when you are sitting and pondering the Word of God, it's when you are speaking to someone about the Word, it's when you are reading that, uh, that devotional, it's when you are journaling, it's all those things that actually bring growth in our lives. So how we interact with the word of God, how we spend time in God's presence, seeking him and living according to how he instructs us. These are the moments that prepare us and help us to be ready for the God incidences in our lives. But you know, I just have got to say also that our lives are not just about those incidences that now all I'm waiting for all my life is miracles. Because every day in my life, as I interact with the Lord, there's a beautiful exchange that begins to happen. Because as I spend time in Him and in His things, He changes me. But also there's there's the beauty of getting to understand Him in a different way every day. Or even when I'm speaking to people, I'm able to deposit in them or I'm I'm able to share with them some of the stuff that He has given to me. And can I tell you something? Sometimes, because we live like this, when we... When we determine in our minds that I am going to choose to live like this, I'm going to choose to live as someone who is aware that he or she is a child of God, who is aware that Jesus is coming someday. It's not a it's not a story, it's not a fairy tale. He really is coming back. It's not like like Cinderella, you know. It's really, really the truth. So because it's really, really the truth, I have got to live my life in accordance with that. But you know what's beautiful? It's that, yes, we have those great moments, those amazing moments that happen, but that's not really why we live the way that we live. We live the way that we live because we love God and that we know that he is our everything. And we make that decision to to then take him and ensure that in him being our everything, that we spill that to whoever comes our way. But you know what's beautiful? It's that when we live like that, we begin to have those Kairos moments for other people. Sometimes you might not even be aware. You might just speak to someone and their, lives is, their life is forever transformed because of what you have said to them out of just you know, living and spending time with God and just being with God. Sometimes that's what happens. You know, I was I was laughing because there's a there's a gentleman who um, he he's a he's a preacher. So he used to preach, you know, all the time. He would just preach, preach. And then one day he was preaching, and then um, then God said to him, "Tell that lady, just say, remember the I think it was the the ducks, remember the ducks." And then he's like, "God, look, yes." Hey, I know it's you, and I understand it's you, but I'm just going to sound stupid. I'm just going to sound stupid. What is this? What what am I, what is this about ducks? And then he carried on speaking, but because he had a relationship with the Lord, and because there was an everydayness about how he lived his life and and understanding God, he decided, you know what, I'm going to just make a fool of myself, but I'm going to say this thing, and I don't even know what it means, but I'll just say it, but oh, Lord, help me. So then he said, sorry, sorry, people, Just, um, I just feel like I need to tell someone here, remember the ducks. And a, and a lady in the audience screamed, and she just started crying. And then he didn't understand what was going on. But the story there was that this person, long story short, had actually left, um, left uh, the Lord and had decided to go her own way. And then she would be, she found a job somewhere it, it's, it's, it, in a place where she would be plucking ducks the whole day. That was her job. And it was a very difficult job. And then one day she said, I don't even know whether you're here, God. And then in that meeting, 20 years later, God says, remember the ducks, I was there. Now, if I don't cultivate my life in a way that where I decide that God, I am going to obey you regardless of what you say. If I don't live my life such that I fill my life with the word of God, I will never say something like that to someone. It doesn't just happen all of a sudden you say this thing miraculously. It does not just happen. But it comes from a life where you cultivate, where on a day-to-day basis you choose. Where on a day-to-day basis you choose whether, am I going to actually sit and read the Word of God, study the Word of God, or am I going to do something else? Because there's always something else. Like Pastor Wayne shared yesterday, the world, the way that it is, is almost like there's a, there's a push from every side that is squeezing you, squeezing itself in. So unless we have that violent spirit and stand and choose to live the life that God wants us to live, it's not going to happen. We have to be intentional about it. It's not going to happen. There are very many interesting series out there. It's not going to happen. There are very interesting things, you know. I don't know how many times I will take my phone and say, okay, I need to do X, Y, Z. And then I find myself in people's statuses on WhatsApp. It's been 15 minutes while I'm there. Until I choose and I make decisions, like the decision that someone that I know made, that she's only going to go onto her phone three times a day and no more. So she doesn't just, so she's cultivated a habit that does not make it easy to pick up her phone and go onto something. So she's got times. She sets an alarm so she knows that at nine o'clock, I'm checking my WhatsApp, I'm checking my messages. At 12 o'clock, I'm checking my, my messages And at six, I'm checking my messages. After that, the world's not going to die because I haven't looked at my messages. So it requires being that intentional. Because I'm telling you, you may not really want to be inundated with all of this stuff, looking at everybody's statuses, looking TikTok this, that, and the other. You may not want, but it pulls you in. You really get pulled in. You wake up, an hour of your time has, has been lost. You don't even know what you got out of it. In fact, sometimes it's just you get things that just fill your mind that, you know, don't do anything for you. So, I just would like us to just carry on and to read uh, from Acts chapter 10. We're going to look at, at an example of someone who, who lived a life that. Invited something amazing to happen in his life it 's acts chapter ten in acts chapter ten we're introduced to to Cornelius, or as I was growing up, we used to call him call him Cornelius now Cornelius was was this, um, was this Roman centurion who we hear about in the Bible, and verse one and two of acts chapter ten says at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Now, just to understand, we are talking about a Roman centurion. So this was, was not, this was not um, the usual for Roman centurions, they had their own gods, they had their own way of being. In fact, they were to worship Caesar above all else. And the worships of uh, the worship of anybody else was frowned upon because it was Caesar. And, and 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 what was important what's important to understand is that the worship of God was not um, something that was approved simply because. God demands to be worshipped alone. He doesn't want to be shepherded, you know. He doesn't want to be mixed with anything. So when we worship him, like we heard, you have to love him with everything that you are. Everything that you are. There's no uh, half and half with him. It's him or nothing else. So then this was something that was unlikely to happen for a centurion. But this is what this man was like. That's what the Bible says. And what's even amazing is what it, this was before he received Jesus. But something had touched him that had caused, caused him to, to worship the God of Israel. He'd made it a point to fear God and to serve him in all that he was. And when we look at, uh, we look at um, Acts chapter 10, what we find interesting is that... Um, is that in Acts chapter 10, you carry on with the story and you find that the Bible says that he was praying. It was 3 p.m. and he was praying. And at the time that he was praying, an angel came to him. So what is significant about this is that this was the Jewish way of praying. It was also the time of praying that had got Daniel into trouble. He was praying at 3 p.m. That's when he he was found. Okay, so... It it was the Jewish way to pray at that time. So it was normal for Jewish people to pray. But here's this man, he has put this as a a practice in his life. So he's just doing what he normally does every day. He kneels and he, well, he kneels, I'm assuming he knelt, but he, he prays. And then in that time of prayer, an angel appears to him. So he did not know that an angel was going to appear to him on this particular day. But because he had set the place, he had set the the, the environment, the opportunity came to him at that time. In the course of time, the angel came to him. And then when the angel came to him, the angel gave him some instructions. Okay. So the instructions that he was given were... Wait, firstly, what is significant is that the angel said, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering to God, before God. Your prayers and offering, this is in verse four. It says, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, here's a question to you and me What is it in my life that is coming as a memorial offering to God? Is my life lived such that it is an offering to God? A memorial offering. Another word for it in the Old Testament, it speaks about a sweet smelling uh, savor. You know, we talk about, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, Incense, right? Incense that would go up before the Lord. So the things that we do, can be an incense. So the life of worship, remember, we learned that worship is not only the two slow songs that we sing, but it's our lives and how we live our lives. So I have to look at myself and ask, is my life actually being a pleasing aroma before God? Is my life a beautiful memorial before Him? So the angel said to him, your present gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. And I must say this was a challenge to me because yes I may pray but giving to the poor is not is not a, a it's not a value that is so ingrained in me that I make plans and I you know like for example we've got the the pledge card that we got you know for compassion do we do things like that? I'm not, I'm not now saying go and tick that. What I am saying is that in your own life, look at your life and ask yourself, God, am I actually obeying you in the things that you've called me to? Because there are things that God has probably highlighted in your life for you to do regularly. Are you doing those things or are you still putting them off and saying, no, I'll do it whenever or whatever it is? So God responded to Cornelius' giving to the poor. He also responded to his prayers. These became, these became a memorial before the Lord. So they were constantly remembered by God. They were constantly remembered by God. And you know, in Matthew 6, Jesus commends people who give to the poor and pray. He says to them, um, he commends them, Although here he was talking about focusing on how people give and how they pray, but he commends them that they pray and they give. So God rewards these things, whatever it is, how, you know, worshiping him, spending time with people, um, you know, it could be opening your home for people to come in and to have connect, whatever it is. God sees these things. He commends these things. And I like what I, uh, I read here, which is Grace, uh, Dallas Willard said, grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. So we are not to earn God's favor, but God rewards the effort that we put in. He rewards the effort. He notices. He's aware of it. So even as we're talking today, I just want to encourage you and to honor you if there are things that you're doing in secret, whether you're waking up in the middle of the night to pray, whether you are feeding that family next door that doesn't have food, whatever it is that you are giving, God sees it and he will reward you for it these things that we do sometimes may be difficult. They may be challenging, but let's understand that God sees them. He's aware of them and he rewards us for these things. And the great thing is that he also equips us even when we think we are not equipped. Like I said earlier, remember I said maybe you go to that professor and all of that stuff. The fact that you have prepared your life for God to work in it, you may not have the right words. You may not you know, at that time. But God knows the effort that you have put in anyway and he will reward you for that. So I just want to challenge us today that let us take our lives and use our time for something that matters. Something that is beneficial for us in eternity. Something that is also beneficial for other people for their eternity. You know, I am... Because I look at life today and look at at how things are happening, the challenges that people are coming across. There are so many who need a positive word from someone. There are so many who need someone to pray with them or even pray for them. They may not believe in God, but they are open to someone to pray for them because they are going through hardships and difficulties. But the challenge is that if I don't live my life surrendered, my times surrendered to God, sometimes I become so inward focused that I don't see these people that I am to befriend, these people that I am to love, these people that I am to share God with. And sometimes if I'm not uh, submitted like this to God, there may be many times where I feel like this situation is going to kill me. But I have to choose to die to self. I mean, I think right now of a, of a real um, story um, of, the, of Esther. I don't know if any of you, of course, many of us know here about Esther. But I remember Esther because uh, a couple of days back, two weeks back, it was the festival of Purim. Where they were uh, celebrating what happened in the time of Esther. Now, for those who don't know, I'll give you a little bit of a, a historical thing. Yeah. So, Esther is this young lady who is raised by her uncle, okay, because her parents have passed away, but they're in exile. So they're in exile in the Persian kingdom. It had been a while, I think it was three generations before that, those people had been taken. So we're talking about Abu Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know those. So they were taken. Now it's later on in time. And Esther is living with Mordecai. And then um, the king, due to some happenings, needs a new queen. So he is advised, given this awesome advice, that he must take all of the beautiful young ladies in the kingdom, make them a part of his harem, so they don't have a life anymore outside of the, of royalty, put them in the harem, and then choose the one that he feels is the best one. And the best one that, well, the one that he takes a liking to, is the one who will then become his queen. So here's this lady taken out of what is comfortable for her. She's a Jewess, remember? So she's taken out of that and put into the palace. And the Bible says that she was in preparation for a year. So she was in preparation for a year. And of course, there were various beauty routines that were done. But some of the historians say that also something else that would happen in that time is that they would be taught about royal etiquette and things like that. So she was learning and and being, um, is it enculturation? That? That? Yes, so she was being groomed and got to understand the Persian way, okay? So then after that, to cut a long story short, she becomes the queen. So it's all exciting, it's wonderful, but she's told not to say who she is. So Mordecai strictly told her to never reveal that she is of Jewish origin. So now she's in the palace. And then while she's in the palace, an enemy arises, specifically Mordecai's enemy. But because he's Mordecai's enemy, Uh, he he wants people to bow to him for, for something else that had happened. And Mordecai refuses to bow to this man, Haman. And because Mordecai, one man, refuses to bow to him, he decides to wipe out his whole nation. Because if you were Jewish, you were not allowed to bow to anybody other than the Lord God. So now he decides to wipe them all out. And then Esther, who is in the, in, in, in the palace, finds out about Mordecai, who is um, now, he's torn his clothes, is in sackcloth, and he's at the gate. And note, nobody is allowed to do that. Nobody is allowed to tear their clothes and be in sackcloth. That was not applied, uh, allowed in Susa, but that's what Mordecai does anyway. Because God said that when the Israelites are in trouble, that's what they are to do. So Mordecai himself could have actually lost his life for doing that, but he did it anyway. And wherever the news traveled of this, then the Israelites did the same thing. They wore wore sackcloth and and, and and they fasted and all of that. So when Esther finds out that Mordecai is in fasting and all of that. She, she, at first, without asking what was happening, she sends him clothes to wear. And then eventually finds out that, no, he is, he, is, he is in this state because the Jews are under threat. And then he says to her, because you have favor with the king and because of your position, go and speak to the king so that we can then be saved as a nation. And then she says, you know what happens if you, if you approach the king without being summoned to the king. This was a serious, serious, serious thing for her because she's saying, if I go to him and I have not been summoned by him and he decides not to lift his scepter, then I'm dead. Because he has set the rule that if somebody approaches him and he has not called them to him, He must die unless he raises his scepter. And something important is that Esther had not been with the king for 30 years. So she hadn't been summoned to the king for 30 years, which means the risk is is, is much higher that she would be killed. And then Mordecai says something very interesting to Esther. He says, you need to understand something that An answer will come for the Jews from somewhere else. It it may not come through you, but it will definitely come. But don't be fooled into thinking that you alone will be saved. You alone will be saved. Understand that you and your family, he is her family. You and your family will be destroyed if you do not. Do anything about this. And then he says to her, perhaps you have come to this position for such a time as this. Now, for us, as we are sitting here, we have been made, we have been created, we have been, we have had the challenges that we have had, each one of us, for such a time as this. We have been called by God. We have been translated into his kingdom for such a time as this. So the thing that I'm telling us today about us submitting our lives to God completely and fully, even our times and how we do things in our times, God has called us because he knows that he will enable us to do it. He will enable us to do it He will enable us to live lives that are worthy of Him. And we are definitely called for such a time as this. But understand that if I don't then submit my life, the day-to-day minutes of my life to God, if I don't live in accordance to how He wants me to live, I will be the one who loses out more than the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God will carry on. God will find someone else. Like Pastor Wayne was saying, Reinhard Bonke was told that he was number 5 on the list. So four people missed out on the opportunity to go from Cape to Cairo which was his his dream, to go from Cape to Cairo with the gospel. Interestingly, my family was saved at a Reinhard Bonke convention or whatever the crusade so it could have been somebody else on that stage, but it was Reinhard Bonke. So what I'm saying is that, yes, it may look like whatever it is that God is calling you to do is going to cost your life. but we've given our lives to Jesus anyway. So that means that our lives belong to Him, and not to us. whether we die through, you know, losing your, your status of being the cool one your status of being the one who is with it, your status of being a feminist, when you agree with the Word of God, when it says, submit yourself to your husband and you do it. Maybe you may lose face, whatever it is, but at the end of it, the question is, who are you serving? Who does your life belong to I can tell you, the last thing I just want to say today is this, that I can guarantee you, when we give our lives, when we surrender our lives to God, when we surrender our times to God, we, have the, we will have the greatest ride of our lives. I did not say the easiest. <laughs> I did not say the easiest, because usually that's what we, that's what we want. That's what we hope for. But what we will have is a life that is God-honoring, a life that is so fulfilling and so enriching to us and other people. And most importantly, we are investing in the kingdom of God. So we are investing in our tomorrow and in somebody else's tomorrow. Imagine when you pass away and you get to heaven, and there's tens of people, who are saying to you, thank you so much for living your life like you did. Thank you so much for being there to speak to me in that moment, even when you were embarrassed, even when you didn't want to do it. Thank you so, so, so much. You know, I saw a little bit of this the other day when I went and spoke to a lady. She was wearing something and it was revealing and all of that, and I debated. I was like, God, do I speak to this lady or do I just walk away? Because... I mean this is how people dress anyway. But it just you know I could feel that this is this is not me anymore. This is God just so eventually I went to her. I was like <laughs> um, uh, you know um, I don't know I would want I would want someone to tell me this so I'm sorry if this offends you but <laughs> I don't know how long I took to talk to her. But I said, uh, look, the thing that you're wearing, when you have bend down, you know, we can see everything and all of that. Yes, we can see stuff. So I'm not sure if you're comfortable with that, but I just thought to tell you. And the response shocked me because I was waiting for her to say, no, I'm fine. But her response shocked me. She turned around and she said, you know what? Thank you so much because it shows me that you care. It shows me that you care. And she gave me this big hug and said, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. So, and I thought that was the end of it. A week later, I get something, because I was dropping my son off at his school. A week later, I get a gift. And my son says to me, this is from this person's mom. And she said, thank you, because you did something so precious for her. I was gobsmacked. I was like, what? I didn't even remember what I'd done. But this was a reminder to me that I may not know. I may not know the difference that I'm going to make in somebody's life. But if I surrender everything of mine to the Lord and I do what he propels me to do, you never know what will happen. You never know what change will come the very community that you want to see changed, you never know what will happen to that community. So I just would like us to please stand. And uh, I would like you to just put up that that, uh, quote again. Grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. And then, you know, as we look at this, I just want us to remember something that God's grace meets us when we decide that we are going to lay everything down for him. When I decide personally that I'm going to lay my time to him and say, God, you are responsible of every moment of my life, I give it to you. I give it to you. How do I do this? Even when I'm working, God, how do I do this in a way that glorifies you? How do I do it in your way? Because I know that this is not easy, but the strength is not ours. Let's remember that. All we are to do is to decide and to take a step. And His strength is the one that comes in and helps us to do the things that we need to do. Grace is there for us. Grace is there for us. And today, um, I just would like us to close our eyes and I want to speak to a couple of people. If perhaps you are standing there and you're saying, you know what? Um... I used to have a life that was given to God completely. My time belonged to God. But over time, I began to take control, quote unquote. I began to do things in my own way and lead my life as one who does not have a Lord. And I want to step out of that. Um, If you're here, I just would like you to raise your hand. If you're saying, God, I want you to take my time. Our eyes are closed. Nobody's watching. I would like your hand to be raised high. Thank you. Father God, thank you that you know and you see each person who's got his hand, her hand raised. And I thank you, Lord, because you are God who meets us at our point of need. Father, we want our lives to belong to you and to belong to you completely. Father, where our time is skewed towards ourselves or skewed towards other things, Father, we know that time passes and we know, God, that you have our times in your hands. So I ask for each person, Lord, that you would strengthen them, that God, your grace, we would meet them where they are at and that you would show them how to restructure their day-to-day such that it pleases you in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, that you would enable them to live lives that worship you, even through how they spend their time in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And Lord, I just pray for the rest of us. I pray, God, for all of us, in fact, not the rest of us, for all of us. I pray, my God, that our lives would be lives that are always ready for you to touch other people. Lives that are always ready always ready for you to come in and to do the great things that you have set Lord, I pray that our our lives would be ready for those appointed times God, that you have those appointed times of excitement those times of seeing people healed, of seeing people being transformed, dear God those times where we are at work, we are in the supermarket we are wherever we are And we see you doing the great things. I pray, Father, that you would help us to do that. And I also pray and thank you for each person that serves in this house who day in and day out do different things. Lord, as they continue to do this, I thank you, Father, that they will come across your appointed times for them. That they will see you moving mightily as they greet people like they used to greet them. As they lead worship like they used to lead it. Lord, I thank you that you are preparing us to see you moving mightily. And I thank you for that in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sin. Be blessed.